Hello, everyone. It's time again to talk Ann Arbor area prep hoops with your Coach Speak podcast crew, Derek Seidel from Napoleon, Josh Trope from Chelsea, and yours truly, Matt Seidel from Olivet, all head boys basketball coaches at their respective schools. Fellas, welcome back. How is everyone today? Doing pretty good. You know, had a had a good weekend. You know, Michigan had a nice, exciting um, victory, which mm. was enjoyable. Obviously, just an unbelievable Saturday of of football. I mean, from you know uh, the Michigan game. Um, obviously, the the Red River showdown um, was wild. I, I watched pretty much that whole game. It was as it normally is. It was crazy. And then obviously Alabama, Texas A&M at night, the lions, I didn't watch any of it, which sounds like was a good thing as they managed to lose on a last second field goal again. But yeah, overall it was, it was a good weekend. I, I think I'm going to win in fantasy, which I don't do too often. So, Hey, I, I, I'm happy. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I, I'm on for the second week in a row. So this is a miracle. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did not watch much basketball or football, I should say, this weekend. I, there were some great games last night that I watched. I love Michigan's rushing attack in the second half. Alabama going down was exciting, and I caught the end of Iowa Penn State, which was was really good as well. well I attended the Spring Arbor alumni game yesterday. Incredible um, environment, huge crowd for an alumni game. Got to coach the winning alumni team. Didn't really do any coaching. Just kind of sat there and talked to the guys. But I had a chance to hang out with Xavier Prather as well, the uh, the winner of Big Brother this year, the uh, former Spring Arbor alum and, and basketball player. It's amazing how you, they just keep bringing you back to all their stuff. I mean, like you were only there for like what three weeks or something as a coach. I mean, or was it was it three years maybe? But it's amazing. You just you know you go down there, you watch them win the national championship, you fly out spontaneously and. They bring you back for alumni games. Man, when you're like 80 years old, they're going to be rolling you out there just for all the big events and stuff. It's, it's amazing. What a what an icon you are down there. But anyway, yeah, it, it was a that was a great football. Even though Notre Dame came back and won that game, I was kind of hoping they would they would fall. Sorry about that, Josh. But other than that, um, good stuff, good stuff. Although I'll tell you what, uh, there were a couple, there were some tough losses. I mean, obviously the uh, the Lions lost today, but Derek then Napoleon lost to, to Michigan Center yesterday. I mean, I, it, it was all but over that Napoleon was looking good and uh, probably get their state ranking back. And uh, yeah, that was that your boys had to, they got, they got, they got to pick it up uh, the pieces. Cause they, they had to be a little, little disappointed there. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think that they were, they came into the game kind of as an underdog and um, they almost, you know, they had them shut out until there was about two minutes to go center scores and tries to go for two to take the lead. There, there was seven, six, they went for two and didn't get it. All Napoleon needed to do is get one first down to ice the game. Couldn't do it. I, uh, you know, I wasn't there in person this time around. But yeah, the the phantom no call on an offensive pass interference on the game winning mm. game winning uh, hail mary touchdown. In my opinion, at least, obviously, I I'm biased. But anyways, questioning the officials even at the football level. Okay, <laughs> All right. but you know, well, there were some uh, big stories uh, on the Ann Arbor area prep hoop scene. And we'll get away from football now and talk a little basketball. I mean, we had Grass Lakes, uh, Lexi Bartiser committing to Indiana on Tuesday. Uh, two days later, Jake Fosdick announces that he will be an assistant under Ricky Yan at Concordia um, this season. And, and then Arbor Preps, Maya Petticourt um, commits to Texas A&M on Friday. So that, that was a lot of action last week. Uh, any of that surprise anyone? Lexi did not surprise me. I, I had heard 
rumors that it was down to Indiana and Maryland. I was a little surprised uh, by Maya going to Texas A&M. I guess maybe I'm just not as close to the situation. Maybe that wasn't a surprise, but I, I, I didn't see that coming. That's a long way from home. Jake Fosdick, I, I alluded to that last Sunday. That was in the works already at the podcast, and I could have told you that, but that was nice to see. I think now everybody can kind of move on. Jake can, can move on and do his thing in college. Celine can move on and get rid of the petitions and embrace the interim coach this year and, and, and look for a clean start in the spring. Any idea what kind of role Jake's going to have at Concordia? If, if he, he tip his head or anybody talk to Jan? I'm kind of curious how they're going to use Jake. I don't know, but I, I know as an assistant, he probably shouldn't be getting any technical. So I'm sure he'll be more of a, he'll have to, have to calm him down a little bit on the sideline. No, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be in their half court offense. Jake's really good with his sets and things like that. Or if it'll be more player development, Jake does a great job there as well. Um, I, I mean, again, I, you know, R- Ricky's really smart. He's, he knows how to use assistance. He's got another legend on the sideline and Randy Swoverland. So he's got a lot of assistance with a lot of head coaching experience. So um, uh, whatever it is, I'm sure Jake will do a good job at it. Wolverine is still at Concordia. He's back at Concordia. He is. Yeah. Man, that's we got to get Randy on on the podcast. You, Josh, you might have to make that call, but um, just saying. But anyway, speaking of more basketball, the uh, the Chelsea Fall League, uh, what completed its what third week today, right? Because I, I yeah, you just took one week off. Uh, Derek, Josh, any observations, uh, players, teams, or just kind of how that's going? I fall leaves can be kind of weird sometimes. So what, what do you guys think? Yeah, I was there today. It was, uh, it was interesting, I guess. I mean, if for our Napoleon guys, it's good. I mean, we've got kind of a, a weird mixture of guys. We have a handful of varsity returners. We got a few guys that are going to be juniors this coming year. And we even have a couple of, uh, we have a, a one kid on the team that's that's going to be a freshman as well. So it's it's kind of just a uh, we, don't, we don't have that many guys because we have so many football and cross country kids. So it's you know for us it's been good just to get those guys guys some opportunity to play. Um, you know, just I try and stress with them. You know, don't worry about the scoreboard and stuff. I thought they competed hard today. I will say in general, it's just some of the just it, it, it's like bad pickup basketball at times today. I felt like it, is what it looked like, and it's like what are we doing here? Like. Um, so again, I don't want to be calling too many people out, but yeah, it was it was a little rough in that sense. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Derek on that. I, I'm gonna it was it was disappointing to see some of the behavior we saw from players um, in games today. Some of the language that was being used towards officials, uh, some of the the just bad basketballs. Derek was saying there's a lot of lob alley oop attempts to players that have no business attempting alley-oops. Uh, and then a lot of guys throwing stuff off the backboard to themselves. And it was, you know, um, yeah. And then, and as usual, a couple of teams were, were chippy, unnecessarily chippy. You know, I, I think, you know, there's three weeks left. I think a lot of kids and a lot of teams are getting a lot out of it, but at times you just shake your head and, and makes you really question, you know, it, is fall league basketball really the right thing? Because I, I think as a head coach, we'd get a lot more out of four-man workouts than, than sometimes than what we're getting out of fall league basketball. By the way, who's coaching the Chelsea team in the, uh, in the, in the fall league over there at Chelsea? Is it, I, uh, I understand, I understand another, there's no, I, another head coach beside yourself that you know that has a state title, Andrea Cabana. Man, cutting edge. I, I call you cutting edge. That's been your nickname for years. It's that's more cutting edge, man. Oh man. I can only imagine. Does she fall asleep watching your undisciplined team play? 
because she just, <laughs> it's like, funny she you say that yeah. when she was walking out today i'm like great job coach she's like i'm not sure we ran anything in two <laughs> games but she goes i think i appreciate it <laughs> that's funny you know it is uh i mean this is sunday night we're doing this a few days in advance of when we actually drop it but um you know that three weeks from today will be the last day that we can actually have any open runs or or you know uh whatever uh, rotations or whatever people want to call it or, or pushing the envelope as others like to call it during the, uh, the fall, getting their teams ready. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. But in, in three weeks um, we start what, what they call the MHSA calls preseason downtime. Um, we've, in our text messages last night, we were, I think we're equally frustrated with this concept that's been around for a while, obviously, but preseason downtime obviously means you can no longer have open gyms and rotations. All you can do is you can do four man workouts, um, but there can't be four upstairs lifting and four at another, you know, doing whatever, uh, just true four man workouts, or you can condition and that's basically it. Yet that's the time when a lot of kids are coming out of their fall sports and haven't touched a basketball maybe since June. And it would be great to be able to get in there and get some, some work in and get their bodies ready to play basketball uh, at, at their own pace. But <laughs> I don't even know where to go. I mean, is it, are, are any of you in favor of preseason downtime? Do you see the value of it? Do you have a solution, a proposal we can put out there? But Or are you just frustrated by it like me? I think the interesting piece with this is like, I know at the – at the BCAM clinic the other day when Mark Yule was speaking, <clears throat> he was mentioned something about preseason downtime and how it hasn't changed at all. And I can't remember his exact line, but it was something, something along the lines of, you know, it's a good time for kids to, you know, relax or get some time off before the, the grind of the season. And I remember me and me and you, Matt, looked at each other like, oh, like this is just, like, <laughs> it doesn't even, it doesn't even make logical sense to say that. Like it, it, one, like, and then when you restrict us to those two things, you're actually just going to, you're almost forced to run the kids into the ground. Cause it's the only thing you can get out of the week without, you know, being in the gym yourself for six hours running four man workouts all evening. So it's it just, yeah, I, I, the, the biggest problem though, I'd say is I don't have a great solution. Cause you, you know, you, I guess you just keep it where you can still have open gyms, but you also, I mean, I think they're trying to keep an even playing field, obviously, right. You don't want, yeah, you want that that specific start date for everybody, but yeah, it, it's definitely a little frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, to me, hey, you know what? Just shut down the whole month of September. You know, I'd rather have them do that. Just say, hey, in September, we're going to really let kids get acclimated to the school year. We're going to let them get acclimated to their fall sport. Let them focus all their time on those things, on their studies, their sports, those teams that they're playing with in the fall. But the two weeks before the season, that's exactly the time we should be allowed to have kids in for open gym, get in shape. They should be touching the ball, getting shots up, all those things. It, it's very backwards. Um, you know, I, I, it does not make sense. But again, it's one of those things. Well, it's always we've always done it that way. Well, that's the worst excuse for for bad habits, as you can imagine. But I, I just think that at some point they got to look at that rule. It, it just doesn't make any sense. It's probably why we have a lot of early season injuries, too, and why the games are so bad early in the year. You know, on their the document that that's out there that anybody can see, I mean, they actually offer a rationale for preseason downtime and the three bullet points they throw out there are it more clearly distinguishes the start of each season and its tryout period. It decreases the blurry line between allowed preseason activities such as open gyms and the start of tryouts and practices. 
and it decreases the overlap of activity between the end of one season and the start of the next. I don't know if I agree with any of that, but that, that's what's on the document. I'm, I think the thing I joked about when we were kind of leading into this topic was people pushing the envelope. I think that is, is maybe the biggest concern and maybe why they have this preseason downtime, because there will be some schools, trust me, and there'll be some even in our area that basically will just start practicing early. And that's and a great point. And they'll disguise it as something else. So that that's it's it's programs like that and people like that that kind of ruin it for all of us. I think if there wasn't the threat of the cheating, even though they're not going to put that in the document of rationale, I think I think they would just let us continue to kind of do what we do up until November 15 for boys or November 8 for girls. Because heck, the, the girls uh, preseason downtime starts in two weeks. Um, yeah. it, it starts after October 24. So, but it, it's just, yeah, it, it's just tough. But, you know, having all said that in open runs and, and uh, you know, that it seems like I can't think of a better thing for, you know, our football guys at, at all of that. I, I hope we win, you know, four or five playoff games, but a lot of years they get in, we've made the playoffs 12, 13 straight years and probably more than half of them. We, you know, we, we've been knocked out after one playoff game. And, and that would be like this year, that would be October 29. I hope we don't get beat on October 29. But if we did, you know, once their bodies get back to normal and the basketball guys, it would be nice for them to be able to get in the gym and actually go up and down and, and get going. And they're just not allowed to do it. And it's, it's really unfortunate. Now, I mean, they might go find another place to do it, um, but it's, it's, it's unfortunate they can't do it under our, our supervision, I guess. Um, and then we're, we're locked into these four-man workouts. Um, that's all we really can do. And and I think we talked about this too. It, that can be, that can burn you out as a coach. I mean, you're trying to run five or six just to get most of your varsity candidates and some of your top JVs in, and you still can't get everybody in. And that becomes frustrating too for, for parents and kids because their kids maybe aren't getting a four man workout with the head coach. So I don't know. See, I, I think that's the bigger issue. So I, I, you know, I, I think you, you know, I don't give you a lot of credit, so I need to give you some credit. That's a great point you made about the cheating and that, that if the MHSA would come out and say that, I would totally get behind that because you're right. There would be some schools that would just start practicing, get going. There's no question about it. But back to your point about the four-man workouts, it's, it's just, it's impossible to do it. So let, let's say you got 16 kids trying out for varsity and, and 15 for JV and 15 for freshmen. That's 46 kids. So, I mean, how are you going to get everybody through four-man workouts? And if you have a couple of the freshmen do it, but not all the freshmen, people are going to, feel slighted same thing with the jv and in those type of things so it's one of the things where you almost have to just focus on the varsity candidates but then you're you're like you said the freshman and jv they're coming off their fall sport and they're going to go two weeks without touching a basketball and, and so it's just such a tough I, I don't have a great answer i will say this scott Handcamp has been doing an incredible job of offering open runs actually a lot of different groups of people have been um, if, if you're listening to our podcast and you're somebody that has <laughs> access to legacy, to MSF, to, if you're Ron Reed listening to the podcast today and you have your own gym at the Swish Zone, please offer open runs for that two week dead, two weeks dead period. Charge the kids five, ten dollars to get in the door. Make some money. Our kids need somewhere to play those two weeks prior to the season and they can't do anything with us. But they can certainly show up at MSF or legacy or Swish or wherever and and have open runs i guess i guess i guess the bigger question is i mean do we, as head coaches do we feel we can get our teams ready under the preseason downtime i mean at, get them ready to our liking 
on, on November 15, or, or has that always been a point first day of practice? You just don't feel ready. I know I felt that way. I mean, I, that was my first year back last year and it wasn't even a normal year, but before I went into retirement, I always felt like, you know, some of our guys just weren't ready and, and the preseason downtime rule. So, um, but with four man workouts, with conditioning, um, is that enough? And, and, and I don't know, Derek, what, what do you think with your guys? You, you did it, you've done it for a couple of years now at, at two different schools. Um, are you, are you, are you okay with that? Yeah. I mean, like if you, if you set aside the, the issue of the overlapping with football playoffs, if, if you had, let's say you have your guys, I, I think it's doable to get, to get your guys ready. I mean, I feel like, I feel like I want to say I got my varsity guys at Springport, like, uh, two, two or three workouts each week. Um, and then we also did conditioning on top of that. So I feel like, you know, the conditioning mixed with the, the little bit of basketball work was probably enough to get them ready. I think I did, I did, I just offered slightly less for the, the JV kids. And I think it is still doable, but I, again, like we mentioned a little bit earlier, the worst part about it is like, that's those two weeks turn into some of the longest days of the season for you as a coach. Cause it's like, Okay, I, I gotta I got you know, if you like Josh's scenario, if you have 16 kids, you have to run four workouts. Well, I I you try and squeeze them into 40 or 45 minutes and just work the kids really hard really quickly. So that way you don't have to be there for four hours. But you know, then it's more exhausting in the in the 40 to 45 minutes because you're really trying to keep them moving through it. So it just turns into really long days for the coaching coaches. And I'm not complaining, I'm willing to do it, but it just it makes it tough. Um, I think at the end of the day, I would say, yes, it is doable, but that's probably me just not wanting to make that, make an excuse. I really think this handcuffs to the smaller schools more than it does the larger schools. You know, I mean, even, you know, Josh's group, for example, and he's got, he's got, you know, three quarters of his varsity roster, his likely varsity roster is free and they're, they're playing all fall. So them taking two weeks off is not going to kill them. Actually, it might help them. And in a lot of bigger schools, I know, Derek, when you play, I mean, most of the guys that played varsity basketball at Dexter were not playing. That's, of course, that's when Dexter football was, was kind of a laughing stock. But um, so everybody was available. Taking two weeks off wasn't a big deal. But at smaller schools where there are tons of three-sport athletes and every program relies on the good athletes to play everything, I think that's – I think you handcuff those schools, unfortunately. I think what would be perfect is one week. And, and I say that because – it would give all those fall sport kids a week or two to get in there and get up and down the court, get a ton of shots up. And then even as a coaching staff, I would love to have a mandatory week where we couldn't do anything. Even if it was right before the season started, I actually think it would really refresh us all. Let, let us get out to some college practices, you know, spend some different times on, on with maybe just connecting with the kids and meetings talking about goals, different things like that. I think one week would be ideal. It's just the two weeks is just, it's too much. I, I like that. That's a good point. Do either of you guys um, have like a, a conditioning hell week <laughs> for lack of a better term? I think some people call it that where you just really for a week or so, or maybe even two weeks, just really run the guys into the ground, trying to, trying to get them in condition so that the early practices aren't, aren't a total waste. Is anybody still doing that? Or is that just an old school move? I still have not, not, I wouldn't call it that. I don't call it that. Um, but I mean, I guess the same idea, I guess I don't do it for the full week. Um, I think la like 
last year we got shut down. We actually, the school got closed or whatever because of COVID in the middle of it. Um, so we didn't get through the whole thing. I think we got through like half of our days and the year before, I think I did, I, I think I went for five days, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, the first week of dead time. And like Monday, Wednesday, the second week. And I'm not really running kids into the ground with that. It's more, it's usually 45 minutes of um, running. And I actually try to use it to teach some, again, these are both my first year in the program. So teaching really simple, like footwork on closeouts and, um, you know, doing some really simple, like defensive positioning footwork type drills while also, you know, running them quite a bit during, during the, the, that time. And now in both situations, our football team did not make the playoffs. Like this year, I, I'm thinking, I'm hoping that our, our football team makes the playoffs, which then I might have to rethink that. Like if I got guys coming, playing a football game Friday night, then asking them to come back three days later and, and run them for 45 minutes is probably not the best move. So I'll have to obviously take that into consideration, but I, I like it a little bit. Cause I do, you know, it's funny, like even, even the kids playing in our, in our fall league right now, like they're just not in the shape they need to be in. And I do think it does help even though and you, you have to frame it properly. Like I'm big on, like, it needs to be, the music's gotta be blasting. And I'm, I'm basically like smoking mirrors, like this sucks, but I'm going to try and make it as enthusiastic and fun as I can for 45 minutes. But uh, that, that's kind of my opinion of it. You know, I mean, for years, I mean, I would say the first 15 to 20 years of my coaching career we did it I mean two weeks four days a week Monday through Thursday and I mean we had garbage cans in the corner of the gym you I mean we, we were hoping somebody was throwing up it was that that was the type of mentality we had and and you know you laugh but I think that was the norm at least it was when I was in high school and in most of my early coaching career you know I've really gotten away from it I this year we are going to do some different things but nothing like that I, I just think the whole idea of like a hell week or a, a, a just punishing the kids type week is doesn't make a lot of sense. I like what our girls basketball program does in Chelsea. They do like a different activity every day. Like one day they're out on the football field. One day they're in the pool and they do different things like that. And I think it creates some some team bonding. That's kind of a neat thing they do. But to me, I'm going to use the time more. And again, I only have, you know, 60 percent of my available players just because we'll still be playing football, you know, so it'll be more about some team meetings really focused on four-man workouts and you know we'll be doing a little bit of running but it'll just be in the four-man workout yeah i think combine if you can do the conditioning during the four-man workout i guess the best way to do it that's what i've tried to do later in my career um it, it, all of a sudden those those workouts become a little longer they might be an hour now instead of 45 minutes but um, although last year we did, we were outside last year. We were on the football field last year. The weather in November last year was, was incredible. If you remember that leading up to the, the uh, supposed start of our season, which we never got started for uh, two or three months later, but we were, we were like in the sixties. It was, it was awesome. Kids were out there in shorts and t-shirts running around, but you know, Josh, you, you actually, you know, coming from uh, the Rex Stanzak tree, um, you know, Rex used to do the two a days. I remember that like he would he would practice in the morning and then the afternoon and he would do it like most of the first week. I had a guy, Travis Brown at Olivet, that did the same thing for, I think, at least three days. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if they were trying to weed guys out or if they just really wanted to get the extra time in. But I I've, I've never been able to do it. I think maybe I did it one day total in my entire career. I, I don't function that well uh, in the morning, let alone trying to do it twice a day. You guys ever thought about that? It's not something I mean, that I, really interests me, but 
<laughs> you know, I, I'll go back again early in my coaching career because I came from Rex's tree. I did do it a few times and, and I got away from it right away. I realized the one, it, it didn't suit me. It, it suits someone like Rex. But again, I, I have a very different philosophy as well, Like especially when I came to Chelsea. Like we talk about all the time, we play for March. You know, those early November games, those are usually non-league, or sorry, early December games, usually non-league games. And it's not that you don't want to win every game you can. But again, th- those two-a-days, I, I mean, if anything, you might be turning off a kid or two or somebody gets hurt or, you know, two practices a day, their, body are, their bodies are not ready for it. I just don't see the need. I think my first year at Chelsea, I did it just because, you know, we didn't really have much of a summer and I felt we were so far behind program wise. that I think I did it that year for that reason, but I would never go to the two a days again. I, I don't see any benefit in it at all. Not, not at the high school level, especially where I'm at again, because again, the norm is most of my guys will not start basketball till December 1st because of football. You're just assuming Chelsea's going to win the state championship this year? Is that what we're yes. doing? Oh, yes, okay. Man, that's a lot of pressure you're putting on those guys. No, 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 no. I, that is not what I meant. They're that good. I mean, I I, I mean, all this right. is a yeah, very special. Right. I'm, not, I'm, not talking, I'm not talking Chelsea football. We want to talk about uh, Cabana's six touchdowns for Dexter uh, Friday night maybe. But, uh, Derek, you got something? No, I was just saying the one thing I would – if I was going to do the two-a-day thing, the one thing that would maybe intrigue me would be – coming in in the morning if I was going to do it and like just doing a bunch of shooting like mass shooting in the morning and then coming back in the afternoon with like your normal practice like maybe you know you bring them in not like for 45 minutes or, or 30 minutes even before school starts and it's just you know everybody's getting up a bunch of shots that would be the one way I would do it you know c- coaching burnout it is a thing I mean I, I, people don't like to admit it but it, it is and I'm actually a little worried about it myself one as I'm old but two like I, I'm I'm coaching I'm going to coach our, our eighth grade team for at least two and maybe three or more weeks to start the year because our new eighth grade coach is also one of our assistant football coaches and I, I just learned, too, that my seventh grade, my new seventh grade coach is in quarantine right now, too. So maybe I'll have two practices. And this starts on October 18th. So, I mean, I am getting a little worried about, about burnout. But, um, you know, it also just kind of leads us into middle school. But I kind of forgot what middle school basketball is all about. I mean, I remember coaching Derek and Tony when they were at that age. But, you know, middle school basketball, um, middle school sports in general, you know, they're they're they were a big focus of the MHSA a few years ago because kids were leaving middle school sports and and just choosing not to even participate in them and actually just participating with their club teams. And they've tried to do some things and they've worked really hard to keep kids in middle school sports. But as as, as we get ready for middle school basketball, which sometimes is less than two weeks of practice, and you, and you probably have a dance somewhere in there where you don't, you can't even get in your gym. And next thing you know, you're playing games and it's, it's, you know, it's 12 games in six weeks, and you probably practice in an hour on Friday, if at all. It's just really a watered-down deal. <laughs> it, it begs the question, you know, is our middle school sports long for this world? And that um, I, it came up in our, our text texting the other night, and I figured we'd, we'd talk about it a little bit. Anybody have any thoughts about that? Josh, I know you have a, a, little, bit of, a little bit of an opinion there. Yeah, I, you know, I think – because of the pandemic and, and the changes we've seen in the, in the busing for schools, it's, it's made me really rethink it, is middle school sports necessary. And is it even a good thing? You know, I, and I, and I say that because 
I think that the structure of school sports is much better than travel. I think kids are, are playing for the right reasons and, and maybe not chasing dreams and trophies like they do in travel. But I really worry about like one, the lack of busing. And, and so if parents are driving all over the state during the week, what are we doing? I mean, we might as well play travel on the weekends. At least families are home. They're not working, things like that. And then the other thing is, is are the rules that are set in place in schools really good for the COVID world we're living in? And what I mean by that is, Zach Trope plays two games every Sunday morning uh, at Legacy. And they play there because they don't have to wear masks. And when he plays for the Chelsea team, he's going to have to wear a mask. And if they go west to Jackson, do they keep their mask on because they're not in Jackson County or do they take it off? You know, if they go to Bedford, do they wear it there because Bedford isn't and we are? And, and then what happens when those schools come to Chelsea? And, and not only that, but are we going to have a bus on a Monday night to those places? And these, this isn't a Chelsea issue. This is an everybody issue right now. Um, and then on top of those things, as parents, it's a lot easier for me to get to my son's games on a weekend than a 415 tip off at Bedford. If, if I have a normal nine to five job, um, you know, and I think, you know, I, I, I question whether what the vet, where the value is with, with the sports as well. It's hard to get officials, um, the timings, just everything's off. I, I, you know, I, and even the funds, think about the funds we waste on, on coaches. And I mean, there's a lot of middle school coaches that, that have been doing it for so long. They're making more than varsity coaches are, and they're, and they're running 20 practices a year and coaching 10 or 12 games. They're being, so I just, I question the, the point in middle school sports when there's, there's so many other things offered for kids out there. We, we, one of you guys mentioned this in our text chain the other day, and it really got the wheels turning for me because I just hadn't really, you know, thought about it as why are they there? You know, like, I, and it, it got me thinking, it's like, this really is a, it's an interesting point. Cause I know back to when I played middle school, it was just the most frustrating thing in the world, especially middle school basketball. Cause that was back in the sec had, we'd had two teams of 15 players at Dexter. That was the, that was the standard, like across the sec at that time, you play a three quarter first half, and each quarter was worth one point and the score in the second half. It's that was so that everybody could play in the first, you know, the, the first half and everyone got their quarter, but it wasn't going to skew this guy. Like, so it's just like, it wasn't even basketball. I remember that just was like, it, it made, I didn't enjoy that as a player. Cause it was just weird. And it, it didn't feel the same. You're on a, you know, you're practicing on sideways in a gym with 15 kids. It was never like basketball wise. I never didn't feel like it was a good development um, for you. Now, again, I, that's just, that's specifically talking basketball. If you extend, extend that out, I don't know if it's the same way in volleyball or football or whatnot, but the other interesting piece of this is like being in a middle school teaching now um, and just seeing it, 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 it kind of brings a, a different perspective for me as well. Cause it's like, I, I do think that there is some validity to like, Oh, you know, I'm getting to play for my community a little more. Like some kids don't do that until that point, like in, in a small community, um, that's kind of like a cool thing. And, and even like for some kids, this is you know, a, pro a separate problem for, but you know, for some kids, like trying out middle school sports, getting that opportunity is like the first time you try a sport. Um, and it's probably better that a kid tries it in middle school than, than they try it when they're a ninth grader. I mean, obviously if you're going to have a successful program in any sport, you probably need them getting started before, uh, before seventh grade or whatever. But, um, 
Yeah, it's it's a really interesting question. I think you bring up a lot of logistical issues. I, I don't know that we should be making decisions just based on the COVID situation, but I think some of the other logistics to it definitely make you scratch your head. Um, I think if you purely look at it as a development tool for the sport itself, it's it's actually probably hurts you. You'd be better off doing something else. But yet some of the other pieces maybe make it somewhat worthwhile. I don't know. That's exact. That, that's exactly it for, for the higher level kids, the ones that you're, you're trying to get ready for the next level and to, and to develop them as players. Um, middle school basketball is, is, a, is a hiccup. It's actually you're stuck in mud for two months and then you, you get to go play with your travel team in January, February, March. And I'm just talking about basketball, too. On the other side, as, a, as an administrator and athletic director, et cetera, educational athletics do have a benefit. Uh, for, for some kids. There's no doubt about it. Um, and some of the things that Derek mentioned, uh, just, you know, being governed by a, a group that maybe has some, 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 some values uh, that are consistent with, with good sportsmanship and, and, uh, and so forth. But so that's, that's, uh, you know, that's, yeah, some kids that'll never, that's all they'll ever do in, in terms of athletically, you know, whether it's middle school track or middle school basketball or volleyball or whatever, and then their athletic careers might even come to an end, but they've got that experience. So, you know, schools there, you know, there's always going to be pressure to offer it. But I, I, I don't see it for whatever reason ever breaking away totally. Uh, but uh, could it? It absolutely could. And then I guess we'll see. It'd be nice to, to be able to look into our crystal ball and see where we are in about 20 years. But Okay, one last thing, and this uh, it goes back to Derek mentioned something about blasting music into his uh, conditioning uh, uh, sessions, and I, you know, I, I tell you what, I take more criticism at Olivet for the music that I play. You know, it's one of the things that I brought to Olivet. They athletic events were so dead and so quiet, and I can't stand it. So, you know, I, playing music before our, our basketball practices was something I don't think had been done there before. And that was just last year. But, you know, just blaring music at games and during timeouts and things like that. It was just it, it was all new to all of that. But now I just get criticized all the time for my choice of music, man. So it's, it's killing me. I got you know, I Dua Lipa and Elton John, the new song, and I'm playing that at halftime of our JV football game. I got one of the guys on the chain gang who's a great guy. He's working volunteering the chain team is all over me after the game, but I need to play some football music. And then if I try to play some football music, then the kids want to hear this. And then I, I play it and then they say, I'm playing it too much. So I, I just, I need some help in that area, but how, how involved do you guys get in, in terms of the playlist that you use for practice or even for pregame? For you know, oh, well, I actually think I'm, I'm curious. You know, Josh, he's always got he had the, this one playlist that was like his playlist. It was a bunch of older songs. Oh, uh, the year I was assistant at at Chelsea, and I loved it. I was always just rocking to that one and all the old songs. I'm not that big into to, to like music. I don't follow all the new songs that are coming out. So I'm usually behind the times and like the, the music I like to listen to. But I, I still remember that. I think the guys didn't always appreciate it. Uh, the days that he was playing that, but I know I was always, I was bouncing with some pep in my step on those days. Um, to be honest with you, I, I let my guys do it. I just tell them it needs to be clean because there's going to be people walking around the school in the hallway and they're going to be able to hear it. But I, I let them pick it. Um, that's what I did last year. Um, and so if they don't pick anything, then I tell them, if you don't pick it, I'm going to put on my own music and it, it's going to be some, like I said, some older stuff. Uh, and sometimes that's the case. Um, but that's how I, that's how I've handled it. 
but I, it is funny. You, you, if you, you get the kids who want to play all the rap, but then the parents are like, oh, how are they listening to all this rap stuff? You know, what, what is going wrong? You know, so you get that whole thing. I was at a volleyball game the other day at Napoleon, and they were complaining about the rap music being played. I, I was laughing on the inside, at least. <laughs> I, pre-game warm-up, the kids pick the songs. I just make sure they're clean, but I, I stay away from that. I know as a player, um, you, you like what you like, and uh, you know I, you know, with, I know we're talking about Rex again, but I certainly didn't want Rex picking our pregame music. So I, I, <laughs> I you know, so I, I mean, we've probably been listening to Nirvana or something, but, um, but no, I think that you know, I think it's important that the kids pick the pregame music as long as it's clean at practice. So, so we have evolved since you've left us, Derek. I, we now have a, one of these uh, portable little rolling music boxes. I don't even know like the I think the the block rocker or whatever it is. And um, I, I basically have, have given the music list to Carter Alexander. He's running the show. So Carter runs the show. And uh, if he's not, it's Austin Elam or Paul Marendette. Every once in a while, I will step in because I just can't handle their music too many days in a row. And I will connect my phone and take over. But that, that's far and few between these days. But every once in a while, I just can't handle what they're listening to. And I take over. We do the same thing with the block rocker. So that way it can be somebody different's phone. Yeah. Cause you guys were, we were burning CDs back a couple of years ago at Chelsea. That's right. <laughs> we were. And when you're, when you're important, like me, you're the athletic director, you have a key to the sound system. So you just use the main sound system for practice and things like that. But that's uh, there's only a couple of those keys around, but uh, letting, letting kids, I would love, I always tell the kids, give me, give me some songs. And then sometimes they do. And I go through them. And even the clean lyrics aren't clean enough because if you listen to it and what it's implying, and it's not like it's figurative language, it's literally saying it uh, just with something blurted out. So I got to be careful. I don't know. I have a problem with that. Uh, I had a couple of kids and, and they know who they are, Charlie and Taven. They, they give me a playlist. It's one artist with about 15 songs. Like I'm going to just, it's basically like a, the lifetime, you know, achievement award for one particular artist. <laughs> that was garbage. My volleyball team, they pushed the envelope like you wouldn't believe. I have to cut them off all the time. So I'm still looking for a formula for good music. Man, do I take a lot of criticism about music. I'm just going to, I think we're going to go quiet nights one of these times, which is nothing. It's like take them back to where, what it was doing before I got there. Maybe they'll appreciate me more, but Anyway, that's my own problem. I'll have to deal with it. So you got to get back in touch with Joe Malloy. He's always oh, giving you the, Joe, the has, references. Joe, has, Joe has come through for me many times with, with some quality songs. That, that reminds me, I think I'll text him uh, tomorrow, see if I can get a couple new ones. So, but were you referencing Charlie Anderson there for a minute? Uh, I sure was. Yeah. He is my favorite Olivet basketball player. I mean, he's questioning your music, you know, your knowledge, music knowledge, I guess. He also questions your ability to schedule, which I appreciate, oh. Charlie. And uh, Charlie, you and I will have a cup of coffee or a soda one time, discuss what happened to the Olivet Chelsea scrimmage. Uh, but not, no, I, I'm, Charlie's he's my not guy. happy. He's not happy that Chelsea is no longer the exhibition with Chelsea is no longer on the schedule. Now we're at have an exhibition with Napoleon. I had to explain it to him. He finally accepted my explanation, even though I don't think he's happy with it. But uh, yeah, he's, I get a lot of pressure from these guys, man. It's not just Charlie; it's all of them. They're, they're all over him. So I gotta, I gotta work on that. I gotta, get, I gotta get control of my program. My goodness. So anyway, on that note, guys, that that was a good, that was a good talk. Uh, we will be back next week uh, for one more uh, kind of preseason discussion, and then we're gonna start uh, delving into our our previews for. Um, for the upcoming year. And before you know it, the preseason downtime will be over and we'll actually be at practice. So uh, looking forward to that guys. Thanks for, thanks for being on and uh, enjoy your uh, week coming up.